Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We are in episode 183. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. Uh, I got some good good uh, shows here, good topics for the show here. I hope they won't run too long because I know last week was kind of crazy, so we'll kind of keep this one moving. But uh, let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. Hi, I'm Sarizel. Um, I am the resident Blizzard obsessive and um, the most thrilled person here about uh, one of the teaser trailers that we're going to talk about today. Also our resident VR guy, because no one else actually bought a VR headset. All right, Lydia, you're up. Hello, I'm from gaming. Sounds good. And Jay. Hey, I'm Jay. I'm also one of the uh, talking heads, so to speak, here on your podcast uh, at uh, Biomass Radio. And uh, I play a few games and do a couple other things here and there. And I'm happy to be here tonight. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and hey, unfortunately, what, what's the show number? Uh, 183. 183. 183. 183. 183. Um, I want to say, yeah, I got nothing off the top of my head for that one. You caught me short. It's the first time. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let it slide this one time. Um, and of course, I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here, uh, do Dungeon Crawl series with Livy, and just in general play a lot of different games. Uh, unfortunately, Bate could not join us. He might pop in a little bit late, but uh, he couldn't make it the start of the show here. So we might see him in a little bit, but uh, we're going to get started without him for now. So, top of the list here, we've got, uh, well, Bate was busy actually uh, doing the filming for his new debut in the new Deadpool movie. Um, Playing mm-hmm. Bob Ross as Deadpool, of course. Um, this is the new trailer that uh, Zell was probably talking about, or maybe the next one. I'm not sure. Is this the one you're, you're hyped about, Zell, or is it the next one? I, 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 I'm excited about this one, but like, bear in mind when I introed, I said I was the most excited of this group, and I know that I actually can't compete with Jay in this territory. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, Deadpool two got a new trailer. Um, basically, Deadpool as Bob Ross, who's whacking off his paint. And drawing all <laughs> sorts of happy little things. It was it was it was pretty good. It, it's right in line with kind of what we were talking about before, with you know using YouTube and social media to not really show much the actual film, but show you exactly what you're going to get in the film. So, what did you guys think of this one? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was hilarious. It was particularly because of our you know the whole thing with uh, Bait and his Halloween costume. This just I, I saw like the preview image of this. I didn't actually get to watch it for another two or three days, but I died just about seeing the image, just just the screenshot. I was like, "That's that's amazing," and it was. Um, I, I'm thrilled, and yeah, I I do think that this is actually one of the coolest things about their marketing is that they really don't have to give any of the film away to uh to uh, effectively market it. It's actually pretty genius if you think about it, because the the problem with many marketing campaigns is that after about two trailers you have essentially the entire plot you know of the movie there's there's really no spoilers uh and the the dc the dc ones are horrible about that the marvel ones are not great at it sometimes you know they're they're kind of hit or miss uh star wars did a pretty good job of it kind of keeping it close to the vest but deadpool did a really good job of you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get deadpool and uh and pretty much everything in the marketing campaign, whether it has anything to do with the movie or not, is irrelevant because you're getting what's in the movie, which is the, the character of Deadpool. So that, in that way, it is pretty genius. Yeah, I mean, they, they show some of the film, but we're talking like it's a series of like half a second to one second shots of just random stuff. Like you're not going to get anything of actual tangible 
you know, tangible bits of the movie. It's really just kind of a, here's a bunch of guns and, you know, blind old ladies holding the guns. Uh, and that's about it. But you, like Jay said, you get the, the character Deadpool who is, you know, playing Bob Ross with the Afro and whacking off his paint on the edge of the easel and talking about how high he is because he just loves cocaine so much. So I, I think it really does kind of embody what the movie is really what's the important part of the movie. It has nothing to do with what actually happens in the film. You're there for the character. You're there for, you know, Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds and, and Deadpool. So I think it's it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to more of this because they, they, I think they released probably a good half dozen of these kind of shorts for the first film. Is that about right? Um, I, I'd, I'd really have to go back and look, but it seemed like there were there were a few of these, a few of the shorts that came out, but there were but they were all like vines, you know, they were all like five to seven second like Twitter feed type things, or or quite a few of them. Yeah, I mean, it was all very short. They they aren't going to give you away a whole lot, but it's enough to kind of give you the point of you know this is why you're going to go see the film. So, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think that this trailer is absolutely hilarious, and it's it's a lot better than you know some of the other trailers you've seen for bigger films doing what most trailers do, which is we're just going to show you the best parts of the movie, and then that's that's the end of it. I'm I'm honestly the the one thing I'm kind of interested in this is the dynamic between. Uh, Josh Brolin and uh, Ryan Reynolds. If if that's good, this movie's this movie's sailing, and they're making two two maybe three more. If if it doesn't work quite as well, if it, it's not a good straight man kind of funny man kind of thing, it you know they'll probably it, it will be okay, but it won't you know they could they kind of caught lightning a bottle with the first one, but if that combo you know of Cable and Deadpool works, this opens up the door for all kinds of other stuff that they that they kind of want to do i suspect yeah for sure and i think you know another good thing that we i don't think we actually mentioned it last time when we talked about it but disney was looking at um acquiring 20th century fox to kind of get their hands back on the rest of the marvel universe with the x-men um but i think they they specifically said that we're going to let deadpool do its own thing you know it's wrapped up in that bundle but if we you know acquire um the studio we're just going to let them do their thing. We're not going to touch it. Um, certainly not going to slap the Disney name on it, but I think they realize that that's a moneymaker and there's no reason to shut it down just because it doesn't necessarily align with the Disney ideals. So at the very least, if you know that moves forward, we won't be, uh, we won't be missing out too much, but uh, I'm kind of curious to see how that one actually unfolds as well. Cause I think that we had talked about, you know, uh, in the week prior to when that news came out that you know, Disney was kind of in a weird spot with Marvel because they didn't have everything. And then they, you know, went ahead and said, Oh, we're going to, we're going to try to get everything, but don't worry. We'll leave Deadpool intact. So I'm, I'm good to hear that as well. All right. So moving along here, Zell, do you want to tell us what's coming out uh, next year? Since you're very excited. Yeah, about I'm, it? I'm, I'm pretty excited. So they, uh, Disney Pixar also released a, uh, teaser for, uh, Incredibles two, uh, which this is a movie that I've been waiting for since like what? 2003 when the first one came out, oh, it has been, been forever. Like we did, we, we could have passed on all of the sequels of cars to, arguably we could have passed on cars too, but you know, the Incredibles was, uh, easily my favorite Pixar film and it has taken them a very long time to get around to a sequel. So um, I am I am truly excited about this. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's been uh, November fifth, two thousand four, when it first came out. So that's it's been a while. Why why do you think they they waited so long for this? Since people um, have been pretty much screaming for it for a decade. So I I actually read into the uh, about this is um 
uh, I guess Disney kind of, or not Disney, um, Pixar has this whole thing where like uh, the whoever creates like a particular Pixar property kind of owns it internally and that they won't just make a sequel unless that person wants to make a sequel. So my understanding is that the whole thing is that uh, Brad Bird, who made the first one, had not decided that he wanted to make a sequel yet. And I guess one of the other concerns was that they have seen how much of a flood of the superhero genre they, they, there has been over the past few years. And I guess there was also potentially some concern that it would just, you know, get lost in the ma- in, in the in the overall crowd. I guess that makes sense. And it's it's good that they kind of keep it with the original director, because, I mean, you, you've seen properties go a little sideways when they they decide to switch over. So that's. It's nice and respectful to the original guy who worked on it, but I can kind of see why they had concerns with not wanting it to get lost. But I think, you know, the hype around this this sequel is is pretty real. So I think it'll do I think it'll do pretty well. And if it's at all as good as the first one, I think they'll be in a, a real good place. And the thing is, is you know, as they made a lot of a uh, fun of certain superhero tropes, and they have so much more material to work with this time around too. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Is that it's it's not. I mean, it's a movie about superheroes, but it's almost making fun of superhero movies. And so they've got a lot of stuff they can work with, like you said, and, and it could be really funny, I think, if they kind of tap into some of the references and then really dive deep with it. So I'm, I think it could do well. I'm, I'm hoping so, because I'm, I'm looking forward to this one as well. It's been way too long, like 13 years too long. <laughs> okay, so moving along here, uh, Overwatch. We talked about this one last week, I believe. Uh, the new character... If I'm, am I pronouncing this right, Zell? Moira? Is that how they're saying it? Yeah. Um, so sh- sh- go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And so I, I think uh, I think it might have been two weeks ago because it was the big uh, it was one of those things that came out uh, during BlizzCon. And uh, yeah, they went right from announcing it to it being on the PTR. And uh, now she is live in the game. So, um, you know, Blizzard with this, they tend to keep their hand close to the best while they're doing development. And then once they announce a new character, it tends to be right out there. I mean, uh, Alex Straza, which was the first Here's the Storm character announced at BlizzCon, uh, she just went live as well. So they, they, uh, Alex Straza. Oh, yeah. And this is the healer that also does damage. It's kind of a dual role sort of deal going on. Yeah. So, um, like for instance, her alt, uh, is like this just big giant laser beam thing that heals any any friendly it hits and damages anything negative it hits enemies. That's actually pretty cool. It reminds me a lot of because uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let the jokes fly here. But when I played Battleborn, um, there's a character named Ambra who her whole deal is that she would kind of throw out these stationary suns and uh, they would burn enemies that got too close but heal allies that were that were nearby. And it was actually incredibly fun play style you could do some really neat stuff with team fights and kind of you know do area denial and kind of control uh where people were and in how you could you know make certain engagements play out it was it was a lot of fun and she went through some weird balance passes which caused problems but overall the the experience was really fun so this this character i don't play overwatch but this one kind of piqued my interest um i kind of wish that i had known she was out uh for the free weekend that's ending like right now because i probably would have hopped on and, and seen how it played but uh there will be more more free weekends so that'll be good no it's uh they, like i said we've talked about their uh their successes they're probably in my mind one of the most consistent kind of game studios out there in terms of the quality that they put out i don't i don't know that blizzard's had 
a whole lot of misses, uh, or, or if they do, you absolutely, I don't remember any, uh, but this is a pretty good character. It's, it's good. It's kind of a fresh update. The cool thing I like about what they do, uh, is they continue to put out characters that are very unique in their own right. Uh, and they're, they're generally fairly well balanced when they come out, you know, like a lot of times character comes out and, you know, once it gets in the wild, so to speak, it'll be a little OP, but most of their stuff is, uh, is, is pretty well play tested. I think before it goes out, it's they'll everything gets tweaked every once in a while, but these are, you know, from what I've seen, uh, Moira is pretty good. I have not played where they're at, uh, but that's probably on my to-do list this week. And Zell, do they plan on capping out the number of characters that are going to be in the game? Or are they just going to keep going indefinitely? Do you think? Uh, they haven't said specifically, but with Overwatch, they're pretty careful about not overdoing it. Yeah, I mean you can. <laughs> I mean you can have like the League of Legends model where there's like hundreds, but I think that's that's probably a lot to ask for for this style of game since there's so much more going on compared to like standard MOBA. Yeah, MOBAs are much easier to balance. I think they're more uh, math math based rather than like your specific talent. Right. So that's that's pretty cool. You know, I'm always I'm always curious to to see what they come up with because they do have some really interesting ideas and you know it's it's kind of neat to to see it evolve over time and kind of how you know their ideas and then how they can make new unique things that are still built around kind of the core principles of the game. So it's it's always cool to see how their their character designs play out. Uh, and it looks like Overwatch is actually going to be 50% off until November 27th. So if you, uh, you know, this typically follows kind of the free weekends. They they let you play for a couple of days for free, and then they offer a pretty hefty discount. So um, if you have an interest in picking the game up, it is going to be 50% off for uh, the next couple of weeks or so. So be sure to hop on that if you are interested. So moving along here, I'm going to kind of hand it off to our resident uh, VR expert, Zell, um, who's probably very excited that he finally got his Tron disc battle on PC. So tell us um, your thoughts on Spark so far. So, well, I have I have not gotten a chance to break out the VR oh. headset yet. So, I mean, the, the biggest challenges, and this is really VR's biggest pain, is you spend so much time setting up to, like, a play session. You know, getting everything configured, getting, like my house is just really cluttered so it's really hard for me to like have space to do this um but uh it is out it came out on the 16th and actually the interesting thing to me was that uh, they actually put a uh i, I had a coupon in my steam library for 50 percent off so the game's only 20 bucks to begin with but it looks like it from what i'm guessing because I, I asked around it seems like other valkyrie owners got it is i believe if you have valkyrie on steam you should just get the uh, Spark uh, code for fifty percent off as well. Oh, that's pretty nice. The game's only ten bucks. Then that's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, and that coupon was good. I think until like December seventh. So if people uh, have have Valkyrie on Steam and are interested in Spark, uh, you still have plenty plenty of time to pick it up with the discount. Well, that's pretty good. Um... Yeah, if I ever pick up a, a VR headset, probably next gen, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's I think it's an interesting idea to kind of have a much more um, physical based VR game. I think a lot of them are you get a lot of like point and shoot, you know, zombie shooter things, which are great. But I think something a little more dynamic and active could be a lot of fun, um, particularly if you can at least get a little bit of you know movement out of your your gameplay. Because I know people that are really heavily into gaming, they can end up being a little sedentary just by the nature of what it is. I think it'd be fun to be able to actually make you know a, a little more involved. I think the Wii did a good job um, initially, and I think VR has a really good opportunity to kind of you know nail home um, a, 
an older demographic, I think, with this sort of thing. It's just it's going to probably take some time to get a, a larger player base. Well, it's funny you mentioned like a more active setup because the other thing that uh, I've got on here is uh, that they have they're releasing the uh, Vive Tracker in bundles with some you know Wii Sports esque games. Um, and so the the Wii tra- the Vive Tracker thing is a um, it's basically it's got all the sensors from the Vive hand controllers. Uh, but on this smaller little thing you can attach to other accessories. And so um, the t- some of the bundles that they have are like ones that attach to like a gun. So you have more of a traditional gun feel uh, for games that support it. I think there was like a tennis racket and then there were some wristbands so that you could like attach it to your wrists. So it would see where your hands are without uh, actually having to hold it in your hands. Uh, yeah, I think I saw that the wristbands were sold separately for like 25 bucks. But uh, there's a bundle, right, that comes with like the the, the racket and the the sensor and a yeah, game, I think. Because like the Vive Tracker itself is a hundred bucks, and then uh, these these are like 149 dollar bundles that come with like the Vive Tracker, the summit whatever accessory hooks to it that supports an included game. It's a hundred bucks for a single tracker. Jeez. Um. Yeah, I think so, and, and I don't think I don't think they come in pairs. I'm not I'm not positive. Um, but yeah, so like the hundred and forty nine dollars though gets you the tracker, the accessory, and the game. So you get everything you need for that game. In addition, nice. well, on top of your you know eight hundred dollar Vive and the PC needed to run it. And that don't mention the fifteen hundred dollar PC. <laughs> Because I know mine, my my computer's old, but I I would still need an upgrade probably on my CPU to actually get it to to work properly. I, I'm like the, just below the minimum specs for the Vive, and I'm like I'm not comfortable with dropping that much money on a headset and then having a computer that's barely strong enough to actually run it. So yeah, it's still price point heavy, but uh, you know it's uh it, it's getting along there. I think we'll be fine. I think that uh, cause like we talked about that the oculus Rift has that new oculus go that's already a better resolution than the oculus Rift, and that's the mobile version. so I mean things are progressing nicely. Um, it's just gonna be a while while they get the technology up to par for developers to really hop on because as you know, like CCP just kind of bailed out of development for VR because of the issue of it just not being accessible right now. So, you know, two, three years from now, I think it'll be in a better place. But, uh, you know, right now it's good to see the technology at least progressing, even if the price point is probably well beyond what most people can handle. So Tracker looks cool. Um, I hope to see more games that are a little more reliant on it to make it more interesting. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it as we move forward here. So moving along here, uh, quick update, Destiny 2. Iron Banner uh, is coming back. This is going to be the last Iron Banner of, of Season 1. Um, I believe Season 1 ends in December. I forget if they actually gave us an exact date. Uh, should be... Well, the debate is whether Season 1 ends with the release of uh, The Curse of Osiris, the DLC, or if that is the final act of Season 1. Right. I mean, it would kind of make sense if they timed the expansion to kind of be the endpoint um, of the season, so that that could be. But I think it's probably sometime in December. I think they said before the end of the year. So. Uh, well, I know the DLC drops on, I believe, on the fourth of December. 
Yes, I think it's the fifth of December, so we're we'll, we've got that coming up. But um, yeah, so regardless, they have said this is the last Iron Banner for season one. Um, so it would be the second one if you're on console. However, if you're on PC, this is the only chance you have for Iron Banner in season one, and the season's important because uh, the cosmetic um, gear that you get from the Iron Banner is unique to each season. So if you want the gear that is available in this season's Iron Banner, you have to get it during this event. Um, unfortunately, that means probably a lot of grinding and RNG and hope to God you get what you want, which is a pain in the ass because it uh, doesn't ever give you what you want. I, th I think they have changed that. Um, so my understanding, uh, Bun Bungie's pretty, has been pretty consistent with their live team is really good about kind of doing the this week in Bungie thing or like doing uh, quick, uh, like YouTube casts. Uh, one of the things they mentioned was based on feedback from Iron Banner one, that they're going to move back to kind of more of what you saw in uh, D1 uh, Iron Banner, which is you you can accrue like tokens or reputation points, so to speak, and you cash them in with a vendor and you can you pick items, uh, which I think this actually might might work better. So instead of like a, a total RNG uh, RNG fest like the first one was, which was incredibly unsatisfying for a lot of people. Uh, with, with way too many, way too many duplicates, and inevitably, you would have like one piece of armor that was that you just did not get. Uh, so that uh, that looks like that's going to change based on player feedback from from Iron Banner One. At least that's that's what they are talking about right now. Yeah, I knew that was happening. I wasn't sure if that was going to be in this Iron Banner or was a season two change, but uh, hopefully it's this one because I think that the the previous model that we we endured for for console was was pretty aggravating, especially if you wanted something specific and you just ran out of time because I mean you just you didn't have time to get that many rounds in to get what you wanted. So hopefully they kind of go back to the previous model for this one. Yeah, no, and, and I mean the the part of it sparked two different discussions. One was, hey, like is they, they actually have done a really good job of implementing a bit of a smart loot system where it measures your power level. Uh, not just on what you have equipped, but what you have like on your character, I think, uh, even whether it's equipped or not, which is a problem you had in D1. So it does measure power level. One of the things a lot of the players asked for was, can you, can it be somewhat more dynamic in the drop rates based on what you've already accrued or what you've already gotten? Um, that that could be one, because ultimately, most people don't mind a little bit of a grind. You know, you, you play for a week, you run through a bunch of Crucible matches, get it turned in. The problem people were having is when you're turning in, you know, 40, you know, 40, uh, you know, loot boxes, so to speak, of Iron Banner stuff, and you would still be missing, you know, pieces pieces of armor and things like that. That that's what was getting people aggravated. It was not necessarily if you were getting like the full, you know, panoply of gear, you were probably okay with it. Uh, but yeah, that that is a, that is a change that they're looking at. They did have some teasers for uh, what the next Iron Banner. Uh, armor look is going to look like which is as pokey mentioned is noticeably different it's certainly not just a reskin with different colors on it uh, it's definitely a different style to it uh, which should be pretty interesting yeah no i think it's um, i'm always looking forward to the iron banner stuff because it's it's usually some of the better looking gear in the game and you know it's i like to mix and match and kind of play around with it because they do have some really cool stuff like the hunter cloak this time was fantastic i, I love that thing all right. Hey, did you see the um, the Trials of Osiris trailer or the Curse, uh, Curse of Osiris, Osiris trailer? Yes, yeah. that looks 
wicked. <laughs> pretty pretty badass. Like Osiris looks really badass. I'm, I, I assume you're going to pick that one up. Uh, yeah, I've I've already got the the season pass thing for it. The uh, what what I th- what struck me though, and this is where this is a bit uh, one of the reasons I want to kind of bring that up. That this is the first and best uh, character exposition video that we've seen from uh, from Destiny that is somewhat similar in the way it you know in its effect that what you what we've been seeing from Overwatch. Uh, so. Th- Osiris, you know, this legendary character in the game that you have not seen physically until this trailer. Like, so there's like, there's talk of him all over the place. You, know, you hear this, that, and the other. There's, there's the, a special crucible style called Trials of Osiris, this, that, and the other. He's all over the game, but you've never ever lays, laid eyes on him. And you got a ton out of that, uh, you know, a, a, that probably five minute trailer that they had that was really good. That, that you, you learn a lot about the character. He's got a very unique ghost also that has her own voice. That's apparently a, a character as well that you'll be dealing with. Um, and it's, it's, it looks pretty good. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how this kind of, this kind of goes forward. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to that one. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. I, I also like the fact that they're actually um, introducing a new area, which is something they didn't really do in the destiny one uh smaller expansions it was just we threw some missions into you know the existing planets and you know you might find a couple of new rooms but for the most part it was the same stuff uh i like that you're actually going to go to mercury there's actually a vendor there there's an area to do stuff in um it, it feels a little more like the taking king where it's like it actually feels new it's probably not anywhere to the same uh, uh scale as the taking king but i feel like it's a, it's a higher effort um from Bungie to kind of deliver something that feels more tangible and actually worth the money. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to plan on picking that one up and hopefully some of the stuff they've been talking about in terms of improving the end game and that sort of thing kind of take place. Cause that's, I enjoyed destiny too, but the end game was, was really, really short. Um, and I'm hoping they can kind of help lengthen that so I can enjoy the game on a more longer time scale. Cause it's good. It's just, you run out of stuff to do and that's, that's a real shame because it is a good game. Yeah, so they they also bump the level cap up to twenty five, which is that's kind of their their mo. Like as they do DLC releases or season releases, they'll they'll usually increase the power you know the power level. Now the good thing about that is there's no plans on scaling up raid difficulty right now and nightfall difficulty. So what well, that was a that's a pretty hard wall to get through for a lot of players in this first season, uh, unless you've got a really really core group of of competent players that you're running with all the time. So that will probably uh, open up the, the gates a little bit more to let people get into the raid and things like that with a chance of winning or a chance of getting through it. Uh, so overall, uh, it, you know, looking pretty good. I'm very, very keen to see what they do with this because there's a, a whole lot of Destiny uh, lore and stories around Osiris that they could absolutely bring in. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's more than one secret character that kind of makes it showing. Uh, I would l- be on the lookout for a Titan called Saint-14. Yep. You've probably been watching the same uh, lore videos I have on, on YouTube. It's, it's some really fantastic pieces out there. I'll actually probably plug one of those at the end of the show. But uh, okay. lot, lot, lots lots of good uh, Destiny stuff out there, so keep an eye out on it. And uh, Curse of Osiris is coming out November, uh, sorry, December 5th. And Iron Banner, uh, the final one of Season 2, is coming out between November 21st and the 28th. And the game mode is going to be Clash, which is kind of just the team deathmatch. Uh, no objectives this time. It's just 
kill the other team and, and get points. So that's like, oh, uh, thank that's... goodness. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about um, about the uh, well, control is what it's called, but the previous one. I sometimes it's great, other times I'm like, good God, I'm smashing my face into a wall. But uh, Clash is very simple, very straightforward, so um, it should be good. I'm looking forward to that one starting in a couple days here. So we'll we'll be sure to hop in on that and uh, give it a spin, and see how it goes. So moving along here, we're going to kind of follow up to a big discussion we had last week involving uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, there's a lot of lots and lots of buzz around um, the microtransaction model they had being extremely expensive and then the free option to get the same items from those microtransactions being exorbitantly long um, in terms of uh, in-game time, upwards of about 40 hours to just get like basic characters not basic like the top tier like heroes like luke skywalker and darth vader um and a few things actually developed over the week like players started to realize that they put a cap on the number of like credits you can earn in a period of time so once you hit like you know this threshold of you've earned x number of credits you'd have to wait a period of time before you can start earning more again which actually could have probably pushed that estimate of 40 hours out even further so needless to say players were not happy with it um they they it was extreme outrage just all over the place just continuous rage from what we were seeing last week um and then all of a sudden ea posts a public apology saying uh yeah we screwed this one up and we are pulling the ability to purchase um the credits to the crystals whatever they call it from the game entirely so the only way to get those items is through gameplay you cannot purchase them all monetization had been removed from the game, uh, which was kind of like, wow, holy crap, that's that's actually a really big deal. Um, and reportedly, uh, Disney, who owns the IP for Star Wars, kind of called them up and said, guys, you need to fix this. Like, you're making the Star Wars franchise look bad with all of this. And they, <laughs> they said, okay, we're pulling the plug. We're not going to do the microtransactions. But they will return at some point. They just didn't give any details about how or when or what that's going to look like. So what do you guys think about this? Um, it's it's kind of crazy that they were going such a hardcore, you know, um, premium sort of uh, service there and they just pulled the plug on it. Yeah, I mean, this this was like, I remember there was the one point where they said, okay, we, we cut the prices to, to, you know, earn stuff by like 75% or something. And then like two days later, they're like, you know what, it's just gone. Well, I think a lot of that was they also cut the price in-game um, to earn, but then they also reduced a lot of the ways that you could earn those credits. So the price went down by 75%, but the ability to earn credits also went down by a large margin. So not much change, and players caught on real quick and called them out on it. And then I think, and I and actually have to confirm on this one, um, I think there's actually an article posted by... CNN um, that referenced Disney and was talking about basically gambling in games um, oh, yeah. being marketed towards <laughs> children. Literally an hour later, that's when the release from EA came out. Like literally an hour later, once Disney's name got dropped next to child gambling, microtransactions gone out of the game. Like, and Dis- <laughs> Disney's really good about that. And I, I think that there is, um, I mean, there's a lot of discussion in general. I know we talked about uh, it was several months ago where china said you know hey we're gonna start uh, asking you you know making people publish the drop rates for loot boxes and you know blizzard was one of those that came out with this really clever workaround almost immediately to avoid having to disclose their drop their loot box 
uh, algorithms and, and behaviors. Um, I, I think more countries are actually starting to ask too. It's it's really catching on as a really interesting, you know, manipulation of the consumer. And uh, Disney's not going to put up with that. Well, the so uh, China was the first one, but Europe. There's a couple com- countries in Europe. The Netherlands hits to mind where they're actively like looking at uh, banning is a hard word. You know, it's not exactly the right word, but they're looking at significantly regulating uh, these type of things. Uh, so that that is one thing that's out there. And, and just and for the record, it's it like. I would say through one, two, three, I've got about four different articles that are citing some different sources pretty directly. This is the, the um, EA CEO, Andrew Wilson, uh, took a direct call from the Disney CEO, Bob Iger, uh, to, you know, reference this issue to fix it. Uh, and Disney, you know, you know, you can, you can talk, talk mad smack about them being the Borg and all that kind of stuff, but they know how to run a company and they know what's important to them. Uh, and what's important to them is their brand ID and how people perceive Disney products. So uh, there's a couple other things going on here. Uh, it it uh, absolutely they do not want anything that is Star Wars branded to have a you know like a bad taste in the public's mouth. Uh, that is not something they're interested in. What they're also not interested in is is this close to the Last Jedi coming out, a game that is tied. Um, Fair, you know, surprisingly well into into the canon. It, it the game is canon, like the campaign that you fight through in that game is canon. There's a lot of stuff that echoes directly into the into the new trilogy of uh, Star Wars movies, um, which we we'll talk about here in a little bit. But they do, they want no stink whatsoever on that movie coming out at all, and it wouldn't it doesn't surprise me they're doing this. Um, so I would also offer that EA has got some other problems with Disney, Disney, if you guys think about it. EA has failed to provide a game that's hitting the mark in terms of like critical review slash money made that they've been promising Disney for about almost five years now. Remember we talked about this last week. So Battlefront 1, good game for a lobby shooter, you know, you know, sounds and smells like Star Wars, but there's there's not a lot of there there. And they were trying to fix that with Battle, Battlefront 2. And they schwacked two attempts at a single-player campaign story-driven game that ultimately were under EA's control, and, and there, it was their job to provide that back to Disney under that IP. So if they had, if if they're they've got all kind of vested interest in towing the line, one Disney could absolutely smash EA of uh, pretty quickly. In turn, and I don't mean like you know corporate takeover. I mean like. Okay, we're going to find somebody else to make Star Wars stuff. Dis- Disney would have absolutely no problem doing that. They're, it would like, it's it's EA has nothing it can hold over Disney on this. It's it's you know it's just a game studio at the end of the day. Yeah, and and at the and if you also look at it, you look at all of the other things outside of Star Wars that Disney owns that that people want to make games with uh, or about. You, you don't. That's like. Yeah, EA, EA is absolutely, uh, you know, the Chihuahua nipping at the pit bull's heels on this one. So, and, and you know, self-preservation move, they very very quickly adjusted their microtransaction thing. And I'll be straight with you. If, D, if Disney wasn't involved, I don't think they would have changed anything. They've had this exact same problem. I think Need for Speed had a had a very similar issue. Uh, the recent Need for, Need for Speed did. Uh, and they, have, they haven't changed shit on that game. 
So I think if Disney hadn't been involved and Disney, you know, if this wasn't a Star Wars property and Disney wasn't involved, I don't think this, you know, people just been, oh, we're pissed off at EA. You know, that's, oh, yeah. that's how that would have gone. EA's never really had a huge, you know, this, this comes up for almost every title. EA does something that screws people over and at the end of the day, people either buy it or they don't and then life moves on. They just keep doing it. Yeah, the difference is you've got like the 300 pound, you know, money making gorilla in the room that's that's basically lending you part of their name to do this. And the games have not done well. I mean, Star Wars Battlefront 1, um, I'm looking at Metacritic right now, got a 73, which is a very solid meh. You know, it, it's, it's okay. That's like very average. Um, with a user score of 5 out of 10, which is also very average. Battlefront 2 got a 72 on Metacritic for the, the critical review. So it's it's arguably worse or just about the same as the first one, and it was meant to be this huge improvement. Um, the user score, however, is hilariously low because people have effectively review-bombed it into oblivion, and it's getting like a 0.8 out of 10 on PS4 and a 0.5 out of 10 on, on Xbox. Um, like there's 5,000 plus ratings in here, and most of them are are zeros or ones. Like it's just completely bombing, and it looks looks really bad. And Disney's not going to want to have you know Star Wars sitting next to a, a solid 0.8 out of 10 you know <laughs> review on on their on their IP. So I can imagine they're not very happy with EA, and I'm actually kind of curious if even after this change to remove the microtransactions, if they're just done, like people are so pissed off at the idea of Star Wars and EA together that this just may not even be recoverable um, from like an ongoing perspective. I personally think that, I mean, if you think about it, this is probably what their third strike, right? Uh, well, they had Battlefront 1 and 2. What was the third one? Uh, it would have been the Visceral games. Oh, yes. Remember that's I'm what I'm saying? Like, so, right. so, they, so they've been promising, that they've been ponying up, hey, we're going to make this huge, massive single-player game, uh, you know, campaign-style game, not a shooter game, for a while. So thirteen, thirteen bit, bit the dust, and the, and the two visceral, and the visceral attempt, and then whatever the next one is, which they're, I think is, it's not on life support, but it's literally like they're having to start over from scratch. That's all still more or less under EA's banner. Yeah, no, that's true. And and the thing is, I think players really want a nice, solid single player experience for a Star Wars game where they can feel like you know they're really part of what's going on. And EA is just mad dashed multiplayer, and they the recent moves show that they care much more about multiplayer than single player. I think Battlefront 2's campaign um, is what about four hours? I think. Um, mm. which is, yeah, I would say it's probably it's probably sitting at about five. Yeah, but five it's hours. Pretty okay, it's still still pretty short though compared to, to most yeah, games. I think is. even other even other shooters have usually fairly simplistic campaigns, which usually get seven eight hours out of them. So the Battlefront's already short on that battlefront run didn't have a single player at all and i think the reason it got into battlefront 2 is because people kept asking for it um but then ea is like well we didn't want it to drag on very long and people are like no no we, we want you to drag it on like we that's what we want um that's what we wanted from visceral and that that you know bit the dust because you guys pulled the plug on them um it, it's just crazy i think that i think Livy was actually talking about this earlier and it was they set like a goal for Visceral that their game had to score like a 97 or above on Metacritic to yeah, to get they're, the they're pass. If it didn't, Holy if it didn't shit! Score that high, they were pretty much calling it over. And right then and there, they're that high. No, you you don't. Like a good score in Metacritic, like a really good score is like a 95 and below. Like yeah, <laughs> you do you, that's you like do Skyrim not, game of the year and shit. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're never gonna get a 97. It is completely unrealistic. Anyone. I mean, I'm not by any means, you know, this this 
great video game reviewer, but just looking at other games, like top games score like in the mid nineties and below, like ninety to ninety five. You're not you don't you're not going to get a ninety seven. So they basically said, hey, visceral, here's an impossible goal, and if you don't meet it, we're going to pull a plug, and that's exactly what happened. So you know, it's just it's a real shame, and like you said, this is their third strike on producing a, a lucrative Star Wars game. Um, they claim that the removal of microtransactions won't reduce the profitability, which is yeah, bullshit, sure. obviously, because you know they're making money off of that, and now they're not going to do it. So yeah, they're going to lose profitability. I think that well, they're in they're in damage control right now. Well, I mean, the, the crazy. So there's a couple things uh, real quick. This is a broad topic, but uh, they they will eventually reengage with my microtransactions, but they will now that they've like placed their hand on a hot stove and had it torched. There, it's going to be probably down to a level if they had come out with it from Jump Street, people would not have blinked an eye. Overwatch is a good example. You can choose to pay. I mean, you can accrue all these things in gameplay, but if they remove some of the caps or basically the the game cap, which and really those game those caps are only in the solo in the single player mode. They're not in multiplayer either. So in multi in multiplayer, you can play all you want and keep getting uh, you know and keep keep getting credits or you know the in game credits. But if you play any of the solo stuff or the arcade mode stuff, it's, there's a hard cap on it. So if they had if they had basically lifted that cap and then had a more realistic ability to acquire these things and then monetize and stayed with the loot boxes, which again work a hell of a lot like Blizzard's loot boxes. There's a lot of emotes and skins and all this other jazz in there. Um, they probably would have been okay. Uh, but the problem is now that everybody like you only get one chance at like unveiling a game, so to speak, or, un- you know, you only get one first impression and they've absolutely blown theirs a hundred percent blown theirs. So uh, is this game going to recover? Probably not. Uh, now I will tell you this, uh, you know, just before I move, you know, we'll talk kind of a, not a game review, but initial re- impressions of the game later, but um it is deserving better of the score. It deserves better scores than what you're seeing online, but the, the scores you're seeing online are absolutely indicative of where the customer base was when the game was released. So that's, you know, that's my piece on that one for the moment. Um, reference loot boxes and gambling. I, you watch the just overall statement. Keep an eye on that one. I think, I think that is going to be a, uh, that's going to be a growing topic in some, in some, some circles. Uh, it will absolutely uh, to the point where, you know, if you think about it, loot boxes effectively are just digital slot machines and you're paying real money for them. So it would not surprise me if this gets, you know, addressed in some way, shape or form at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, right now they're making the the argument that Lee, it's not the same as gambling because you're guaranteed something of value, um, even if the player doesn't see value in it. But it doesn't matter. The psychological effect of loot boxes is absolutely identical to gambling. It is the same damn thing, um, and it's being injected into games hardcore. And I think that this this most recent push by EA could very well be the the, the thing that kind of pushes it over the edge. And, and like you said earlier, uh, both Belgium and the Netherlands are now looking at um, regulating it as a form of gambling, and it's it's just going to spread from there. Canada, uh, China's already there. You got multiple countries looking at it. It's going to end up where they're going to start kind of taking a look at this, going, you are effectively preying upon the human compulsion to gamble and using it for profit and it's being put into games which in many cases are marketed towards children which are definitely not old enough to legally gamble 
Um, so I think you'll you'll probably see, like you said, keep an eye on it. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. One one quick note, um, just as a as an example of how well laced together the Star Wars stuff is now. It was always pretty decent, uh, but under Disney, it's changed its game. So just a total total rabbit hole for about one minute. There is a tablet game that I play uh, on my iPad that is a one of the most popular kind of mobile games out there. Uh, it is called uh, Star, uh, Star Wars Galaxy Heroes. Kind of kind of your standard kind of RPGs tablet game. You know, you kind of like sort of like chess, so to speak. You line up a bunch of characters, you got a ton of different abilities, this, that, and the other. Um, I've been playing it for about two years now. I just like Star Wars and, you know, good thing to do during commutes and things like that. So, and it's a really, really well done game. Like, like very well done. Um, it is by EA. So the interesting thing on this is all of the character abilities in this game, like that, like the ship abilities, the player abilities, everything they do and how they're described is exact is pretty much exactly the same between the mobile game and what you saw in what I, I'm seeing in Battlefront 2. Uh, so they're they're pretty they're they're lacing it together pretty well. I mean they they've got a concept for products here, uh, and it would woe be unto the to the company that misuses that before you know you know Disney kind of cracks down on them a little bit. Yeah, I think that's pretty good stuff, and I I'd actually kind of be curious to hear more about like the mechanics of the game and and what you thought of it, Jay, because you have been playing it, right? Oh yeah, I've I've completed the campaign and knocked out um, quite a few of the like uh, I've tried pretty much every mode that they've got, uh, some with more success than others. But I've yeah I've completed the campaign so far. It's um, my initial impressions. I you know I, I could you know I would give it about a seven out of ten. You know I mean so that score is not wrong, but that also doesn't mean it's a bad game. Uh, very much like the first one. Sounds looks a hell of a lot like Star Wars. They did a great job. The voice actors in the campaign really good, like really really good. Um, so the gameplay itself is you know it's your standard FPS style game. It is tweaked a little bit from the first one, so uh, there's a bit more of a RPG esque type type vibe. Not that you're leveling up characters, but you get star cards, kind of what you got in the first one, but they're used kind of uniquely differently. And they have like four different power levels per card. So you're, you can swap the cards in and out, change your loadouts out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you don't, you don't really have to, you're not really customizing an individual character like you did or facial character like you did in the first one, but there's a, you know, a ton, a ton of different things in there. And you can tell it's kind of designed to be built on. Uh, to add add characters, and I mean the troopers too, not just the hero characters. So, looks, sounds, plays like good Star Wars shooter game. It's pretty solid. Uh, it is the movement after playing a game like Destiny. It kind of throws me off a little bit because you don't, you're not like mantling over stuff as as nearly as well. But it it flows pretty well. I mean, it the game is on rails, but they do an exceptionally good job of hiding the rails. Uh, so there's there's a lot of different ways to navigate to objectives, things like that. Um, so all in all, that part's good. Uh, the loot boxes, it's almost a direct lift from how Overwatch does it, to be very frank with you. Uh, just you know, different different vibe when you're opening the box, uh, but looks looks pretty much the same. Um, 
multiplayer is a absolute it's more enjoyable than call of duty world war ii uh but it's a lot less enjoyable than other multiplayers the cool thing is the battle modes because you have like you're taking different objectives and you're you know you you could hop into into different vehicles and heroes and stuff like that much much easier than you could in the first game in the first game you had to like run around you randomly found like this glowing token on the ground basically that allowed you to transform into a fighter an atat or a tank or you know one of the hero characters right here it's entirely based on your your battle points so as you're making kills playing the objective you're doing anything in the game you're accruing points and then once you get X number, hey, you got a thousand points, you can be Kylo Ren, something like that. That works tremendously better. It gives everybody a shot and it works really, really well. Uh, so that that was a really good update. The star cards, it's just a different way of doing kind of, kind of the same thing. I think it gives you more freedom. So that was probably net win. Um, the the campaign mode, what I will tell you about the campaign mode, it, it, you know, we'll probably need to, I, I, I think I should probably go no spoilers. Um, and then give it about a week and we can talk talk some fan theories on Star Wars. But here, here's what I will tell you. Um, the campaign mode is good. The story that they tell is quite good. The characters are good. Um, it, it, it was surprised that for a first outing of a, of a campaign mode with a, with a bit of a canon, canon cemented story. I, I, I get, you know, I think they did a really solid job of it. Uh, the char- the two two characters, Iden Versio, Versio and Del Mico, uh, two of the uh, uh, Imperial uh, commandos that you that you kind of play. Uh, they are well done. Two very good actors. Uh, their actual likeness, uh, their real likeness is the likeness you see on the screen. Uh, do a great job voice acting. Really, really good. One of the other voice actors that's in there. Uh, does a phenomenal job, Paul Blackstone. He, you've seen that guy. He, I guarantee you've seen this guy in a ton of different movies and, and TV shows. You, you'll figure it out. And you're like, God, I know this guy's voice and his face. I just can't place it. And you'll IMDb him, and you're like, Oh, okay. Um, they did bring back a few of the characters, like Billy D. Williams does the voice for Lando. I, they don't have Mark Hamill. Obviously, no Carrie Fisher. Like none of none of the. None of the other, you know, kind of bigger names. Uh, Tamura Morrison's back as like the 4,000 clones that you play. Um, so story, pretty good. Now, when I said it's canon, I mean that. it's It takes you basically from a couple days before the Battle of Endor through the Battle of Endor all the way up to essentially the Battle of Jakku, uh, which is where, you know, that's where the graveyard of the giants are, where Ray stays at the beginning of uh, Episode 7. So it takes you through that battle. You see that battle uh, as the one of the final uh, final campaign chapters, and it's pretty good. It's 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 quite good. The final chapter, though, uh, and it's very much designed to set you up for the D, like a seasonal DLC a la Destiny, uh, gets you all the way up to probably a day or two before Episode Seven, if that makes sense. Uh, so. You understand a lot more now about how how did Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron all end up on the same planet looking for Max von Sydow, uh, like in the first five minutes of uh, you know The Force Awakens. So you figure that out. The other part is, uh, I mean, you can find it on the internet. There, 
I, I think personally right now I've got about a 98% solution on who Ray's parents are, and I will be amazed if it's not accurate. Uh, so, but other than that, it, it is a, it is okay. It's not world beating, but it's okay. Uh, and it's actually pretty enjoyable to, in all fairness, it is enjoyable. It's one of those where you're not there for the gameplay. If you put it on easy mode and just fight through it to, for the story, it, it's actually kind of enjoyable. But there are actual canon spoilers, you think, or at least enough to get you to understand stuff that you wouldn't get from the movies. Yep, absolutely. So beware if you're looking around on YouTube. My my brother, I think, actually, he he was smart enough to know not to tell me what he saw, but he he thinks he saw a spoiler in a thumbnail uh, for Battlefront Two. So be real careful looking around um, in what you're you're looking at in relation to this game. If you're looking for a purely you know, spoiler free, want to go in completely blind for, uh, uh, for, you know, episode eight. So be careful out there. Well, let me, let me, let me catch this. It does not come out and say anything, but it, it certainly allows you to generate your own logical leaps. Like, so for example, like, um, I won't get into the raised parents thing. We could say that one. That's, that's a good discussion. But, um, the, one of the characters, he is, a member of, of uh, like the church of the force or whatever it is that uh, Max von Sydow belonged to. And he is, um, it, it, he is the person that gave the star map to Max von Sydow. And that's, and Kylo Ren is looking for that. That's how Kylo Ren found Max von Sydow. So you, you def, it definitely sets up like literally the immediate precursor to uh, to what was happening in a force awakens very well too. Um, you know, that's not like huge plot stories, but it does fill in some neat canon stuff uh, that that's in there. That's actually really, really good. God, that's, <laughs> that's frustrating. Cause I, I'd love to see that because I, I love seeing kind of the, the in-between bits, but I'm, I don't want to get in there and actually spoil something for the upcoming uh, material. So maybe I'll wait until after, um, after December fourteenth or whatever, when the when the film comes out, then go back and look at the Battlefront story and, and no, see tr- no, what they added. Me. Tr- trust me, it's 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 not exactly like I said. It's not exactly spoilers, but I, w- I want to you know let the game be out a little bit longer, let people play through it, and we can kind of talk through it because technically it's it's not that much different than a fan theory, but you now have like different information that you can pick your theory on. Yeah, fair and, enough. You know, like I said, they they do not come out and say anything. Uh, but it it does it, like I said it does a really neat job. Ultimately, the story is how did you go from the Empire to the First Order? That's if I were going to put my my hand on something, you you get to see sort of how and why that happens, uh, and it and it's interesting how it how it kind of goes down. That is pretty interesting. Is the the pacing on the story feel pretty good, even though it's only five hours long? Yeah, it it is, and, and and maybe that's because it's short. It feels good, but like I said, this thing definitely sets you up for another chapter. You know, like another another set of story story missions that will have to happen uh, effectively while Force Awakens, like in the same time frame that Force Awakens was happening, um, and then probably leading us up into. Right, like right before or some mild parallel to last uh, the last Jedi. Cause I think their first DLC comes out in December as well. Yeah. I'm actually looking at that right now. It seems like it's so star Wars battlefront two will add free story DLC in December. So they, they could almost be waiting until after the film comes out because um, I bet it's going to hit right, right before. All right. Or, well, or, or right same before, time. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that it's probably well, so the part of the story they want to tell would actually be legit spoilers, and they want to not piss off the people watching the films and be like, okay, see the film. Now we'll go in and explain what the game story has to do with that. So it's nice at least that's going to be free. Um, story DLC is. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's good stuff. I like when they can actually offer that for free. You're not having to buy it um, to get the whole experience. So they could be handling that one pretty well. That should be pretty cool to see. Okay, we are you pretty good on that on your review for that uh, uh, right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we can we can wait. We can talk talk about it a little bit later. Overall, uh, like I said, seven out of ten. Um, not it's it is not bad. It is not a world beater. And if you're a big Star Wars fan, you probably will actually like this game. Uh, it is, you know, it's not groundbreaking in any way. Uh, the campaign was surprisingly nice, but the, again, the big thing, you don't get another chance at a first impression. And I think EA really, really fumbled this one pretty bad. All right. Sounds good. Well, we, we'll retouch on that one in a couple of weeks and uh, kind of get everyone's thoughts on story and kind of your ongoing opinion of the game. And we'll, we'll talk then. So moving along here, uh, I'm going to actually review uh, a game. This is kind of part of our uh, back and forth that Bait and I do to play um, various games, usually uh, the PlayStation Plus and the Xbox Gold freebies for the month and, and kind of give our thoughts on it. So I know we missed a few weeks, uh, but we're kind of trying to jump back into it. So uh, today, actually, I went and played the game Bound, which was one of the PS Plus freebies for uh, the month of November. Uh, and so Bound is made by Santa Monica Studios. If you've played the games Flower or Flow, um, you kind of know what to expect from them in terms of this kind of game. So it's a very artistic game. Um, it's, it has a purpose and there is an objective and a goal. Um, but it's the kind of game where you're expected to kind of lose yourself in the experience of what's going on. So don't necessarily focus on getting from A, B, C, and D. It's more about enjoy the exact moment of what's happening. It's not meant to be this really super strong objective based game. It's just a artistic experience. So, um, kind of keep that in mind as I talk about it moving forward here. Uh, so the general feel of the game is kind of similar to like Journey or Abzu. Um, Journey is the kind of your little guy with the the red cloak and the, the long scarf trailing behind, and you're kind of walking through the desert in various environments. Um, and then Abzu is one I actually reviewed several months ago, where it's uh, you play as this diver who's going through again kind of this very artistic, stylized um, underwater landscape, and it's it's very cool. Um, Storytelling is a bit more direct than those games. Those games are much, much more based off of symbolism, and you kind of have to fill in a lot of most of the story. Um, this game is very much like that as well, but not to the same degree. It's a little more direct in what it's trying to tell you, um, much more absolute images of, of what they're trying to do. There's actual dialogue, that sort of thing. Um, but still, kind of the same sort of um, surrealist uh, symbolism based sort of, sort of storytelling. Very, very good. So the plot of the game is that you're kind of playing as this young woman who um, gets dropped off um, out of a car and she kind of walks out onto a beach and she's sitting there with this old notebook she has uh, full of drawings that she presumably drew as a child. And she's kind of looking through the drawings and she's starting to kind of reflect on her childhood. And that's when the game transitions to a very... Um, abstract surrealist sort of world where you play as this young princess of this kingdom who was told by her mother, the queen, uh, this monster has destroyed my kingdom. Go and stop him. And so 
seems pretty straightforward, right? Um, and so it's kind of the character walking through her memories um, that are shown by this abstract world. And I won't get into spoilers um, because it is, like I said, it's a game that's based off of experiencing it firsthand. So um, I have my interpretation of what I think the story is actually about. Um, but I think it's something you should probably see for yourself. So I won't get into that. But the interesting bit is that they don't explicitly say that this woman is a ballerina, but her character, um, the, 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 the character you actually play as inside this kind of memory scape um, is a ballerina. Um, everything she does is a ballerina step. The, even the way she walks, her arms are kind of held out like in this, you know, balance sort of deal. When she jumps, it's a very traditional ballerina jump. So every movement she makes is a dance move um, that you would expect to see like at a Broadway show, which is, it makes kind of this interesting flowing movement across, you know, the, the map, which is, Typically, um, light platforming is kind of the, the, the core gameplay. Um, but the interesting bit is that, so as you're kind of transversing this, this memory scape, there's various things that will attack you. Uh, they're usually very abstract, um, but they are symbolic of various parts of, you know, this girl's childhood um, that were kind of a negative influence in her life. And that's kind of part of the story is figuring out what each of these shapes and, and, and whatnot uh, symbolize. But... In order to protect yourself from these negative elements, you have to dance. And so there's a button you hold down and you can kind of move the character freely and these ribbons come out and they protect you. So you're basically dancing to um, uh, protect yourself from these negative influences, bad memories, that sort of thing. Um, and it's it's almost symbolic of like that was this woman's escape from bad memories to her childhood was to dance. And so I think the implication is that she is a ballerina and that as growing up as from a child, that's what she would do to kind of cope with a lot of the bad stuff that happened to her. Um, very, very cool. I actually really liked it. Um, it kind of, it kind of brings this nice continuity to everything you're doing and it, it gives a good purpose for why the character acts and behaves the way that it does through kind of these dreamscapes. Um, so the symbolism is, is really, really good. Um, it, it's pretty easy to kind of figure out what I believe the story is trying to say. Um, and it kind of flat out says at the very end, but, you know, kind of getting there and piecing together, um, literally, the memories of what happened to this woman in her childhood and why she feels the way she does uh, happens very organically. Um, it feels really good. Um, it's it's a good storytelling. It's probably one of the best points of the game. Um, like I said, visually, it's a very surrealist game. Lots of very hard geometric shapes. Um, you kind of have to, you know, make your way across some very weird sliding um, platforms and that sort of thing. And it's, it's all very geometric. Even the girl's dress is geometric. Um, the part that's not, however, are these ribbons I was talking about. So it's almost like, you know, the ribbons from her dancing, and that's kind of the, the point of happiness in her life. And, and it becomes a stronger and stronger um, visual element into the game as you kind of go along. And it's it's very, very well done. looks absolutely gorgeous. Very strong visuals. Um, and like I said, if you've played games like Abzu or Journey or Flower, you kind of know what to expect in the very simplistic, minimalist, you know, we're going to show you exactly what you need to see and nothing more. And so it's it's very clean. It's very interesting. Um, real pleasure to, to, to look at while you're playing through it. Um, music? Absolutely fantastic. If you're at all familiar with um, Santa Monica Studios games like Flower, it's just top-notch. It's kind of light orchestral piano strings, that sort of thing. Um, and they match the tone of what the game is trying to portray to you on an emotional level um, quite well. And it kind of builds as you work your way through the level. And then usually near the end, there's this kind of 
musical climax in which you um, hop onto one of these large ribbons and you kind of go soaring through the level backwards um, and kind of take a look at the memory from the outside and kind of see, you know, everything that you went through to get to that point. And the music and the visuals of that just totally line up. Absolutely fantastic. Really, really well done. Um, gameplay, like I said, it's it's primarily a platformer. Um, the controls were a little clunky at times. Like the, the, the base movement was fine, but I struggled a lot with kind of the jumping part of the platforming in some areas, namely because it was kind of difficult to tell uh, how far I was going to go when I jumped because a lot of it was based off of the movement you make before you do it. So I fell quite a bit. Um, the game does not punish you for for falling off uh, off the platform, though. It's it's very forgiving. You reset like five seconds prior. You know, it's not going to punish you and start you beginning the level. That's not the point of the game. It's not about the objective. It's about the experience. So um, you can fail, but it's not you know super punishing. So I didn't worry too much about that. It was a little frustrating at times. Um, just trying to get through a particular segment. I was kind of fighting with the controls, but overall it didn't pull me out of the experience too much. So um, it actually worked pretty well. Um, in terms of kind of playtime, uh, it took me a little under two hours going at a pretty steady pace. Like I said, I, I struggled in a few parts, but I didn't get hung up for a really long time. So it's, it's a short experience. It's, um, like I said, about two hours. But honestly, if it had it had kept going. I felt it would have dragged on too far. I kind of got to that point where I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've got the full picture of the story. The pacing felt well. If there was more of it, I would have felt like it was dragging on. So the two hour mark felt pretty good. Um, and it was, you know, it was good. Well, well, well paced, which is really important for these kinds of games. I think um, once you do complete the game, once you do unlock a speed run mode, if that's your sort of thing where you can try to get the levels, you know, as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, I didn't really touch that. It's not really my thing. But if that's if you're into that, you can actually have that option once you complete the game once. Um, overall, uh, it, was, it was pretty solid. Like I said, um, the storytelling, the symbolism, top notch audio visuals, really, really good. Um, the controls had some trouble, um, a little, a little clunky at times, um, when they probably didn't need to be, but I think that, you know, it was, it was enough, it wasn't that bad that I felt like it ruined the experience. So I lost a point for that, but it wasn't, you know, absolutely game breaking. Um, it didn't really have the same emotional impact as some of the other games that are kind of in the same genre, like Journey or Flower. Um, Journey is an absolutely incredible experience at the end. Like, it's just, it is extremely well done. That's like top tier um, for this style of game. So it's a hard bar to meet. Um, so it's it's still really, you know, uh, uh, Bound is really good, but it's not quite to that level. But like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to match. Um, but overall, really, really good experience, really worth the time. Um, I didn't feel like I, I was wasting my time and, you know, for the price uh, of being free on PlayStation Plus. And I think it's it's really cheap otherwise. I think it's like five, ten bucks. It's, it's not too bad. Um, definitely worth the experience, especially if you want kind of a, a very soothing, calming, relaxing kind of surrealist um, experience. It's not, it's a, it's a game, but it's not really a game. It's more of an interactive experience. So overall, Bound was, was really, really good. I'd probably give it a solid eight, solid eight out of 10. Um, not perfect, but you know, it's definitely worth your time. And I, I do suggest it to anyone uh, who has PlayStation Plus, and even if you don't, um, probably worth picking up and giving a shot if you're a fan of that kind of genre. All right, there, so, ooh, sorry, hey, go ahead. I'm sorry, Pokey. Uh, if you kind of mentioned a couple other games that you kind of had a, a similar vibe to the, uh, I, I am, I am not that familiar with uh, Santa Monica studios. 
I I have seen like some video of Flow being played. Mm-hmm. Does this does this game follow in line with Flower and Flow in terms of like the tone, like the palette, like kind of how the how those games look, or you know, like kind of how those games feel, so to speak, or is this like very much its own thing? Um, well, they're all a little different in terms of kind of palette and how they feel. Um, fairly similar. I feel that this one was probably um the most complicated in the sense that it was more than just hold down X to blow the wind like flower was. Um, It was more like this is move. You hold this button to go faster. You can jump with this button and you hold this button to dance. It wasn't ultra complicated, but it was a little more involved than than the other games that that you mentioned. Um, But in terms of like what they're trying to portray, um, definitely along the same lines, it's like I said, it's an experience, not a game. Um, it's it's not as simplistic as say flower or flow was, but it's still you know it's still tugging at that same thread. Okay. Yeah. No. Flow was even flow was even I think one of their most difficult ones. I still because that was really that made you really think about what you were, and how you were working with sides to you know that's another game. There is no story, <laughs> but um, you have to pretty much work on both sides. You know where one side's going through hoops, the other one's going over you know other obstacles and circles and then both converging together and then back out and one has a different target on you you have to think a lot of that one seeing pokey play this one was a lot more free okay you have to do this no that sounds pretty cool it's i'm i'm always very intrigued by games like this which are kind of border on is it uh is it designed as a game or is it a interactive form of art it's actually interesting. Um, Livy and I went to, um, there's a traveling exhibit for video games that go to the various art museums, um, and it's kind of the art of the video games, and they actually had Flower up on a big giant projector, and um, no one was really playing it. I think they were kind of uh, a little intimidated, so I, I, I had played and beaten Flower several times, because it's a fantastic game. You should Everyone should at least give it a shot. Um, but I went up there, and I started kind of playing with it and kind of going through the level and whatnot, and I think by the time I finished the level, there was probably a crowd of about 20 people watching um, just because it's, it's, it's intriguing to kind of see what it is. I think it's a really good example of uh, video games as an art rather than just, you know, Super Mario and Call of Duty. I think it's, it's a side that people don't normally see, um, but they're definitely interested. And that's why I always love to kind of support and try these games because they, they kind of tug at that, that, that other side of gaming that most people don't think about. Okay. All right, guys. I think we're probably pretty good on time here. Anything quick before we move on to shout-outs here? Okay. Take that as a no. So uh, shout-outs for this week. Um, for me, uh, it's going to go to a YouTuber. I actually mentioned him earlier when you were talking about Destiny 2. I think I might have mentioned him uh, before, but he produces so much good content. I'm, I'm going to pro- give him props again. Uh, the YouTube account is My Name is Bife. And he does incredible lore stuff for, for Destiny, the franchise as a whole. Like, we're talking, he'll, he'll do, like, explanations with the gameplay running, but there's some other stuff that he's done where it's, like, custom art drawn for, you know, stuff that's not even close to being in the game, but it's part of kind of the lore that, that Bungie has put out. Um, he did a series in the Book of Sorrow, which is the origin of the Hive. 
it is like mind blowing, like how much more is under the surface than what the game shows you. It's incredibly well done. It's all canon. Um, it's all part of the story. Um, it really gives you a new perspective on a lot of stuff in the game, like the Hive. There's one uh, shorter series for the Fallen. Really, really good. You should check it out. So we'll get a link in the description. Um, his stuff is seriously awesome, though. You should check it out. And it's my name is Bife. And like I said, we'll get a link for you guys uh, so you can check him out because it's it's really good stuff. And you should definitely, if you like the lore of Destiny, should see what he's done because even if you know the stuff already, he presents it in such a way that's so well put together that it's it's fantastic. So that's my shout out for this week. Yeah, hey, I, I gotta I gotta double down on that one. That that is if you want to talk about homegrown content, and this guy puts a lot of stuff out. He's been doing this since D one and he's got a huge following. He's definitely one of the, the better known content creators reference destiny. And uh so I absolutely have to echo what Pokey says. His if you know, if you did not even play the game of Destiny and you watched some of his some of his videos, like you would be intrigued about that world, like significantly. He's got one in particular. It's about ninety minutes long. It's the complete timeline of Destiny. Um, and, and if you watch that, and and, th- and and no kidding, he puts all of this together from the game. Like he doesn't. I mean, he, I'm at this point. He's probably got some some you know, informal contacts with folks uh, at Bungie, perhaps. But he is putting all this together from the game, and hands down, it's 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 pretty damn accurate. And, uh, and then when he lays out guesswork about what a thing is, if you watch, you know, X number of videos in the future, you'll find more often than not, he's right. <laughs> so, yeah, hats off to him. So that's a great call on that one, Pokey. And, and like Jay mentioned earlier, um, Saint-14 is a name you should be looking out for with the upcoming Curse of Osiris. He's got a great video on that as well. Um, really interesting backstory there, and it's actually probably going to be relevant to uh, what we'll see on December 5th with the new expansion. So keep an eye out for that. All right, Zell, you're up, man. Um, I'm just going to give a shout-out to, it uh, looks like there's some decent uh, Black Friday stuff coming up. Um, for those people looking for consoles, um, I was looking, I think, like, the going rate for a PS4 uh not not the pro but if you're just looking for a ps4 um the big deal seems to be a one terabyte ps4 for 199 and then a couple of people a couple couple places already have them that way but then like so like i could get that outright today but like during the thursday and friday of black friday like gamestop will give you that with a 50 dollars gift card as well um so there's kind of a couple game bundle type things that are going to be available then. Um, and then uh, actually the other thing I saw at a GameStop is uh, Xbox 360 uh, should be uh, free at, with a mail-in rebate ah. for, for a uh, I, what I assume is a refurb uh, Xbox 360. Sounds pretty good, man. Yeah, I've got my eye on a couple things coming up for Black Friday and, and the following week because I don't I don't go out on Black Friday typically, but they've usually got some pretty good deals online. So I'm I'm eagerly waiting to see if any any good stuff pops up here. Yeah, I, I generally don't go out to the stores. Like, I used to, but it's not it's no fun anymore because it's, it's not the Monday thing. It's not the midnight thing anymore. It's like you know three in the afternoon the day before. You, you give up your Thanksgiving dinner with the family to go get a TV for fifty dollars cheaper than you get it the next day. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't think it's worth it. Um, you're going to spend a lot of money, gas, frustration, running around to stores when more often than not, you can find at least one real retailer offering the same deal online. Yep, for sure. All right, Livy, you're up. All right, so yeah, not game related. I did want to give a shout out to 
the Queen and Prince Philip, they're celebrating their platinum see much. So that's their seven, 70th wedding. I know, right? <laughs> I know they're pretty much figureheads, but by this time with all the real life and reality of life and scandal, you don't see the those long ones. Congrats to them. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. And did you have another one, Jay? Are you going to just stick with uh, the one that we talked about? Uh, well, that... that uh... That was actually the shout out I was going to give. Oh, there you go. Give. Okay. Uh, I will say shout out to everybody making anything on the news interesting, uh, which is pretty much everybody right now. Uh, it, I'm just uh, continually amazed by uh, what we see in the news nowadays in the uh, incredible uh, sort of divisions that we have in uh, in the country. That being said, what I find enjoyable about this is that you can take people from all across the country, literally those of us on this podcast from a wildly different set of, you know, backgrounds, you know, where that's cultural, you know, socioeconomic, racial, it doesn't matter. And we just enjoy hanging out and playing video games and, you know, or, you know, kind of geeking out on stuff, probably a little bit more of that. That'd be my shout out. A little bit more geeking out on video games and uh, you know digital Cheeto eating, if you if you know what I mean. So that that's my shout out. <laughs> All right, sounds good, man. And so yeah, again, thanks everyone for joining in, uh, listening to the show here. And I, I do want to make sure you all stay safe out there. And this is obviously Thanksgiving weekend, and you know Black Friday. If you do go out, please be safe. Don't get trampled. People are crazy. So we'll see you next week, and you have a safe week out there.